Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Uh, do you want to or do you want me to? Do you want me to start it? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> don't be, do it. That would be too confusing. Like, who is this? Who's this douchebag talking right now? Hey guys, it's Welcome to Total Reboot. I'm Ben Russell, joined by your hosts, <laughs> Cam and Alexi. <laughs> well, thank you so much for bringing us onto the podcast, Ben Russell, one of our dearest friends in the industry we call show. <laughs> That's right, show industry. That's what we all call it. <laughs> we all work in shows in various forms and various styles. But what brings us together is we all share a love of the fine old ass art of cinema. That's true. In fact, this podcast, uh, dare I say it, is the only podcast on the internet that dares to discuss film. Yes, and we're two of the finest minds to ever put our tongues against film. And this movie is a real tongue flicker of flick. We're talking about one of the all-time classics, Super Bad, for our Screen Ages miniseries, where we are talking about teens on your screens, teen films. Screen teens. Screen teens. That was the that was actually the most vulgar and disgusting description of what this podcast is I've mm. ever heard. Yes, but it's apropos. It's appropriate for this That's dirty true. little flick. We're talking about a vulgar flick, and uh, you've already heard his voice. Ben Russell is here. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, two of the prettiest and cutest little <laughs> little kittens that ever walked across my sidewalk. <laughs> And you are one of the most handsome and dirty dogs that's ever come into our neck of the woods woods and sniffed around. Woof, woof, I smell something good. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been talking about teen films over the last few weeks on our podcast, Ben. I know that you're a big fan of cinema. Mm -hmm. What were your favorite teen films when you were, in fact, a teenager? Teen, that's that's a tough question, Alexia. I'm I glad you asked me that question. I, I don't toss softballs around. I only chuck <laughs> the hard stuff. Uh, trying to think back all those years ago, <laughs> like t- t- 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't be that long. Uh, a man as youthful as yourself and with the angel eyes and soft body of a cherub, you must only be 19 years of age. <laughs> well, I am not. I'm 36 years old. Well, you look fantastic. Thank you buddy. so much, guys. Yeah, I really appreciate especially it. Especially for 36. You know, that's a tough year and you look gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, best ones. I mean, I loved uh, just thinking of sort of... Because I watched a lot of... I was a big Mel Brooks fan. Oh, yes. So yes, I was yes, fully yes. into anything Mel Brooks uh, mm-hmm. popped out. I absolutely adored. I mean, Robin Hood Men in Tights at the time. Loved it. Um, that was great. Chappelle, yeah. Carrie Ells. Yes. Of course. Beautiful stuff. Uh, anything Mike Myers put out. I don't need to tell oh, you that at that point. Um, thank Austin you, thank Powers you. was kind of at the height of my teenage years. So <laughs> that's the kind of era of cinema that I've got. Um, and yeah. it's a great era of cinema. You know, Happy Gilmore. 
Um, yes. Wow. Um, Billy Madison, bulletproof with the Wayans and the Sandler <laughs> together. Wow. Yeah, I used to An love that movie. Classic combo. No yeah. one ever talks about it. It's like it never existed. <laughs> but it did. But I, 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 I had it. to look it up this week because I watched The Last Boy Scout for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Thought it was fantastic. And I was like, what's that action movie with Wayans and Adam Sandler? So I had to type the words Adam Sandler action into like <laughs> Google to find out what it was even called. Mm. Bulletproof. So good. I used to love that movie. Yeah. Mm. And and I watched, you know, uh, you know, anything uh, Eraser, I remember watching oh, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, Schwarzenegger. Of course, The Matrix and things like oh, that. You know, I mean, we're talking about DVDs first coming out. Yes. This you is know? primo yeah. DVD era. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is some, this is, it was actually a really great time in movies. I know that that's always tinged with nostalgia, but it was, there was a lot of, a lot of comedies were were still like big blockbusters then, Mm -hmm. which they're not, like, never happens now. Um, No, very rare. Mm. And it's also the first time movies ever have an interactive menu. Yeah. I remember there was so much promise, you know, they were like, we're going to, you're going to be able to change angles. Yeah. At the <laughs> click of a button, you'll be able to see a whole new angle of this explosion. Yeah. I reckon Swordfish is the only DVD that was ever produced that fucking did that. Oh, really? I think Swordfish did it. That's the only one. God, that's so funny. I, I remember thinking, uh, like, I can't believe it. Like, you can just pick, you can go to chapter selection and you can just pick any part of the movie and start watching from there. Yeah. There are no rules. Yeah. You can start watching from the middle of the movie if you want. And then when Netflix came out and you could, like a whole series would drop on one day, I remember being like, whoa, you could just start in the middle of the series mm. and oh. just start watching a series from halfway through. I My just thought, God. you know, you get mad with power. Only the w- twisted mind of Cameron James <laughs> could even think up something so <laughs> dastardly as watching a series from the midpoint onwards. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in the you know, in the US back when Netflix mailed DVDs oh, to you. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you could sign up, you could pick, that. and then they would mail it to you. Wow! Imagine telling a child that now; they'd slap you in the face. <laughs> they'd say, "How dare you lie to me?" That's crazy. Yeah. Movies on a disc? What the heck what are you talking the about, old <laughs> bitch? <laughs> but the movie we're talking about here on the podcast today, uh, mm. we have picked. I think with the express purpose of it now being like, what, a decade and a big old chunk of change in its yep. age now. Yep. Oh God, it's probably a teenager itself, this movie. Mm, yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. It now really, starting to get a little... This is one of those films think about it. that you just go, oh, holy shit, that, this is an old film now. Mm. It felt Isn't like that it crazy? Was, I felt like I was, you know, like it, it, it's one of those films that felt feels new, like it just came out. Absolutely. But time flies I, by. Uh, but we picked super bad today because I think that this is one that enough time has passed where it can truly be canonized as a genuine classic of the teen movie subgenre. Mm. I agree. So Ben, what's tell me a little bit about your relationship to the movie Superbad. When did you first see it? Did you love it? Tell us about that. So Superbad for me is one of the few films that I I think I watched. And I absolutely loved it. Like, I had some wow. really great laugh-out-loud moments while watching mm. it for the first time. And then I didn't really revisit it until many years in the future. So I could wow. re-watch it and I could watch... It was like watching it again. At, oh, you know? my gosh. Oh, wow. um, well, a lot of people do say that re-watching something is like watching something again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
<laughs> but I first watched this when I was traveling over to the United States of America, I believe. Wow. If my memory I believe I was on a plane. I think I was going over to the US to live. And, Whoa. Uh, I was on the flight and people, you would hear, it was on the, the on-demand mm. entertainment yeah, and you this would... is probably the first era of on-demand entertainment in the sky. Mm. Maybe I'm not sure about that one. Okay, well, you know, I'm trying to put a little fun fact. Yeah, in well, I bands, don't know about but... it. in terms of errors, like eras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pro- yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I remember the days where there'd be one screen. You're all watching the same freaking movie. It was always Waterworld. Let's watch Waterworld again. Why are we watching Waterworld again? <laughs> I was on a flight where we watched Mr. Bean on the big screen. Just five or six episodes over ten hours. Fuck yeah. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, You saw it in the sky, the mile. And it is one of the top three uh, cinematic experience. Yeah, top three cinematic experiences that I've had in the air. That's wow. so good. The, what what are, are the, the other best t- times you've had while being elevated? What are the other two? Other two would be I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood while going to shoot something in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah, 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 that's fun. That's and how Tarantino <clears throat> intended it to be seen. I said only so. actors can watch this only on their way to that are to about to live a fantasy, their yeah, own dreams yeah. will be actualized. And number three would be... Uh, Fast Furious the Five, the one where um, he dies. Furious uh, Seven. Fast, Furious Seven, sorry, and Furious Seven because um, I was like, you know, this is dumb. And they say that when you're up in air, you get more mm. sort of emotional with things. Yeah. And yeah. I cried at the end. Wow. And I don't yeah, even I did care too. about that guy. I don't even remember that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. God bless you, Paul Walker. I will say your name. I will give you energy and power in this world and the next. I was always, yes. a, I was one of those skeptics. Oh, I'm too good for this franchise. This yeah. is trash. No, no more. I said, I took a good long fucking look at myself and I said, Ben, you're not too good yep. for this. This is cinema. <laughs> this is art. And mm-hmm. it is worth your time and attention. You need to fucking stop. <laughs> criticizing fast furious <laughs> the 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 franchise okay and yeah. i think maybe you're judging yourself maybe this is a little bit self-hatred uh, and i said no i'm going to use this as an aha moment teachable moment mm. yeah. myself how to love and live and laugh with vin diesel <laughs> Wow, we love you, Vinny, and thank you for inspiring countless generations of men, bald or otherwise, to live their best life. Pam, where were you when you first saw Superbad? Uh, you know, I, I would have seen it when it came out. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't think I saw it at the cinema, but I remember DVD release. Wow. Day okay. one, I'm <gasps> lining up at the front of Blockbuster. <laughs> You're at the midnight launch. <laughs> the midnight launch of the DVD of Superbad. I'm banging on that returns shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking my head in there going, no, open up. Please open up. I need to get super bad out. I've heard so many good things about it. I missed it in the cinema. I was having I was having a good laugh of it in the airplane, and mm-hmm. this and the flight attendant was like, "What are you guys? What are you laughing at?" Because me and the other gentleman, we were both laughing at it, and we we're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, super bad!" And she's like, "Everyone's laughing at this movie, and it's a real hoot." <laughs> and and, uh, and I, took my, I took my headphones off. And sure enough, little pops of laughter all around the aircraft. Wow. It really made it quite an enjoyable laughter. Whoa! He is the best medicine, and I honestly do believe that. 
My God, you're probably uh, hearing yeah. kids going, McLovin, teehee. <laughs> teehee, McLovin. <laughs> oh, my God. And my 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 my, my, uh, my my penis is located on my back. Oh, so lines. I remember having a good old chuckle at the, the when he drew the penises. Mm, yeah, dude. Yeah, iconic moment There's in a laugh. history. You know, they sometimes in the in the show industry they say a laugh a minute. I say a laugh every thirty seconds in this. Yeah, week. Mm. absolutely. They're getting two laughs per minute. I loved it so is much. How I would say that sentence <laughs> that you just said. I loved it so much. I would like. Uh, it instantly became a favorite, mm-hmm. and for years I would say this is one of my favorite movies. Then I kind of dropped off from talking about it. I hadn't watched it in a little while, mm. and then a few years ago, you and I were talking about it. Yeah. I rewatched it again. It's still up there for me. It's yeah. still in the top ten. It's just a, it's a classic. It's I love really it. think it's the same for me. Like I, it, it'd been only like a year or two since I'd seen it, but I remember seeing it in the cinema. I went with my two best male friends, and each of us perfectly synced up to match and represent the characters in the movie. Who were you? Obviously, I was fucking Jonah Hill because I looked exactly like him when but I was what, like that. Personality age. wise, were you? Like- personality wise, I was definitely Jonah Hill. No, I, I was. Think, a- I think personality wise, you're Michael Sarah. You're Michael Sarah in think- a Jonah Hill mm-hmm. body. <laughs> Tragically, I'm actually two Michael Sarahs in a Johnny Hill body. But um, I um, I would say I've grown to become a Michael Sarah, but at the time mm. I was much more like, you know, a loud, mouthy, belligerent. I think doing comedy mm. let me get all that out of my system. So I am just normal and nice all the time. I can't but imagine. Then you I was a as bit a of a. Hill. I was a bit of an ass. Like, I was, like, big party boy. Like, I love to be Chris mm. Farley. I want to be the Chris Farley of my group, the uh, Jim Belushi. Yep. Not John. <laughs> I wanted to be Jim. Because I, I was always right. Things were always according to me. Like, so I was the Jim Belushi. That is so funny to want to be the Jim Belushi of a group. <laughs> I want to be the Jim Belushi to your... Yeah. Dan I had I had a brother who had a close friend. They had an iconic friendship, and I was around. I was around at the same time. Oh my god, that's so funny! I was one, but, uh, I once saw Jim Belushi at the uh, Improv Olympic, I.O. Oh, wow. in Chicago. He improvised how, how with was his he? improvised with his son, and I believe one of the first scenes that he did, he called his son, who in 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 the in the guise of a character, but he mm-hmm. he called him the F slur. <laughs> Oh my oh god. My god. <laughs> that would send me into a spiral being on stage with my dad and he calls me the F slur. Yeah. I'd be spinning out for my life. I oh my being god. fucking spun out by it. I quite like Jim Belushi. I'll be he rocks. With you. I, I, I do like fucking him. modeled my whole life on the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember seeing this movie in the cinema at that at yeah. that time, and like I had my friend David, who was very much a, a Fogel character because mm. we mocked him relentlessly, mm-hmm. right. and he had a very funny voice. He was like, "Um, hello, my name is David, and um." I uh, am really interested in seeing the movie Super Bad with my two friends here today. That's how he t- to this day where he's like we're still my best friend. He still talks like that. And then I saw with my friend Dylan, who we had a very much uh, you know uh, the codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was we were the exact age where we were just starting to go out partying for the first time and drinking. Illegally as underage children. Wow. So I really connected with this movie a lot. And I would say that if I had not seen this movie, 
I don't know if I would have ended up going in the direction of like working in comedy mm. and like wanting to make comedy. At that at this time, I loved cinema, I loved movies, but I wanted to be very serious. I dreamed of being a Martin Scorsese or Robert De Niro. I wanted to be moody, I wanted to be dramatic, I want to like mm. tell like gritty urban stories. Mm. And then I saw Super Bad around the same time I'm watching like Conan O'Brien, the late night show, and watching like <clears throat> Kenny versus Spenny and stuff. Yeah. And those were like the movies I rewired my brain to being like man you're always funny and you care so much about making people laugh why don't you just like actually pursue that mm. and like actually write shit that's funny instead of just being like a little dweeb this movie was the the moment for you it radicalized me dude this is the movie that radicalized me wow i think we should just dive into this movie and talk about it All let's right? do it baby let's do it I can't imagine what you're going to do without each other next year. Evan told me you didn't get into Dartmouth. And you're going to miss each other? No, I don't miss each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cry myself to sleep every night. Me too. When I'm out partying. Go to school, boys. Bye. Take care of those. I never see you at parties or anything. Saturday was actually a crazy night for me. Seth's parents were throwing this party, like a get-together, cocktail casual. Wow. And then we went to a nightclub. You got in. We got right in. That sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) You would have loved it. My brand new fake ID. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? Doesn't even have a first name, it just says McLovin! This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. Okay, we're talking about Greg Matola's 2007, now modern day classic, Superbad. Cameron, you have found a logline for us in a segment that we'd like to call Love That Logline. That's right. Um, I found this logline on a wonderful website called google.com. Wow. I'm going to read it out to you guys. Let's see how accurate this logline is. Two high school boys want to enjoy their lives to the fullest before they go to different colleges. Unfortunately, their debauchery lands them in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is the most blandest logline ever. Yeah. It's just like two people want to have a nice life, but tragically, they are naughty. <laughs> they are a little bit naughty. Um, it's accurate, I guess. Um, and you know what? When you're young and you're watching this movie, you do just kind of put it in the vein of like high school party movies mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think the reason it's we're still talking about it over 10 years later is because of the subtext, which is that they are two boys mm-hmm. who love each other, don't know how to express that male friendship love and are also dealing with the fact that they're separating. Yes. Separation anxiety. Hmm. And I also, think that's the reason it still lives on. Yeah. And also dealing with the fact that they feel like they have a pressure to have sex. Um, mm. You know, and I think that deals with them sort of come to terms with the fact that they it doesn't matter as much as actual relationships, if you will, to a certain yeah. degree. So there's some nice things and themes going on uh, within it. It's kind of a... It's kind of a less incel American pie. American yeah. pie is heavily incel culture. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. They feel like it's rewarding these characters that feel mm-hmm. like they have entitlement to women's bodies. But with them, they it's more satirizing that in, in a way. Mm. It is interesting because in pie, they also have that big discussion towards the end of the movie where Jim sort of says, 
why are we putting all this pressure on ourselves? Yep. Like I, I've been stressed out about having sex all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's meaningless. It's just sex. Like who cares? But that character still gets to fuck someone at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I like that in this movie, he wants to fuck her. But then when he's faced with it, he's like, this is too much for me. I actually yeah. can't handle it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not equipped. I'm not ready yet. I think that's interesting because, like, the arc of American Pie is these people becoming more comfortable with the idea of sex mm. and, like, being able to meet and, like, go through that rite of passage from adolescence into adulthood that is, you know, finally losing those V plates, if mm. you will, mm. and moving on and like sex becoming just a thing and not being important, not being this thing they have on pedestal. Whereas this movie, that arc is like irrelevant. The mm. whole arc is like these two characters that are played by Michael Sarah and played by Jonah Hill that have this codependent relationship. And it's like right in the crux of like this comedic cycle that probably does start with like your American pies mm. and then evolves into like gross out sentimental mm-hmm. comedies and then grows into this idea of bromance movies like buddy comedies oh, yeah. and that are like about platonic friendships mm. through like almost a romantic comedy lens yeah, that's true. And I think, like, you know, that's what Judd Apatow's impact is. Like, he is an absolute super producer in this time when it comes to comedy. Probably still is, like, the super producer of comedy now mm. um, in the business that we call show. There's yeah. no bigger show guy industry, than yeah. big old Judd yeah. up show there. Industry, yeah. Yeah. But from the show industry, sorry, guys. You know, I call it the business sometimes, but, you know, it's, it is an industry because you do mix pleasure and business all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens in this industry, okay? That's why it's weird. And why it brings out so many strange characters. Yeah. No, you're right, though, because I think from memory, this is the beginning. Maybe this in Shaun of the Dead is the beginning of that bromance mm. era. The first time you ever hear the word bromance is yeah, around exactly. this time. And then they retrofitting it going like, oh, Midnight Cowboy's a bromance movie. You know, they put <laughs> it all the way to Midnight the past. Midnight Cowboy's not a bromance movie. It's a fucking... <laughs> it's the original bromance. Psychedelic nightmare <laughs> trip into the underworld. <laughs> but two fellas become friends and they love each other. It's I'd fucking say harrowing. It's a, it's a harrowing movie. It's a bromantic movie. comedy, dude. Yeah, it's, it's bromantic. bromantic. It makes yeah. Requiem for a Dream look like super bad. <laughs> To me, I find <laughs> I find Midnight Cowboy so fucked up. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it, and I like how you know. I think it's powerful, but it just fucking. I just mm. I remember watching it, being like, "Oh, I need to fucking lay down after watching <laughs> yeah. that film." Alexi watched it two Christmases in a row. Is that, that actually right? is That's true? When psycho. I was a teenager, <laughs> I got it for DVD one Christmas as a present from my uncle. And we're like, you know what? Let's chuck it on. And we all watched Midnight <laughs> Cowboy together as a family. <laughs> crazy. And then the next year later, we're like, you know what? We're talking about it Go, you know, why don't we chuck it on again and watch Midnight Cowboy this Christmas too? That's so fucked up. <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Um, all right, let's talk about this movie. Uh, I reckon we should start with. Um, I think we got to talk about the stars of this flick. Absolutely, first. it's a perfect jumping off. Point. It's a launching it pad for so yeah. many bright shining stars. Oh my god! I think that's something we found, like going through these these teen movies over these few weeks, is that. That is like a common link. They all are like these breakout film roles <laughs> mm. because it's one of the few times where you don't need 
for the genre. The genre is like the style. The genre is the selling point is the storylines. It's that idea of nostalgia, of accessing like your own teen memories or reflecting your teen life in a movie. So it's got a built-in audience Mm. and they don't need to have a major star attached to like bring the movie into the world. So casting directors actually have the chance to fully equip a whole new ensemble of like brand new actors and break them out. Mm. And we've got three leads here that I think are three tremendous breakout performances. Mm. Yeah. Well, we've already talked a little bit about Jonah, but I think it's fair to say this Mm. is in many ways his movie. Um, He's in Knocked Up. No. Yeah, yeah, he's in Knocked Up. No, 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, he's in Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah, tiny, tiny part in Forty Year Old Virgin. Where he's work, Mm. he comes into Catherine Keener's eBay store wanting to buy some shoes. Yes, they have fish in them. Platform shoes. Yeah, very funny. So from what I understand, he, uh, his parents are showbiz people. Mm -hmm. He had had a small part in. um, Oh yeah, I Heart Huckabees. There's a tiny part in I Heart Huckabees. Mm -hmm. I like that film. Me too. And he's in Accepted. Yeah, a year or so later, he gets this tiny part in 40-Year-Old Virgin, um, impresses everyone with his riffing. Yeah. They go, we got to get this kid back for something else. They get him in a small part in Knocked Up. He's part of like the bro hangout house with yeah. Seth Rogen. He's one of the bros there that all catch pink eye from each other. Very mm. funny stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a year or so after that... He campaigns very hard to get the lead role in this movie. They don't want to give it to him because he's fucking too old. He's like mm-hmm. 24, maybe. Yeah, too old to play a 16-year-old. But then they also cast Emma Stone. Yeah, and I think at a certain quite... point they're like, ah, oh, fuck it, we'll just put 20-somethings mm. in this mm. movie. Yeah. It gives a shit. <laughs> but I think it's like, I don't know who else they were looking at for this movie, and I'm sure there's some other talented actors that could have done a great job, but it's... Like, I can't see it without Mm -hmm. him. It's a landmark performance for teen cinema because I think it's, like, the (laughs) first time that he is the stifler type. Like, he is, like, the grubby, crass guy. Mm. But all the heart in this movie does belong to him as well. Yeah. And, like, you can tell that it's all a facade. Like, there's stuff where it's like, you know, last summer I got laid or, like, I got, like, one-fifth of a blowjob. It's, yeah. like, all complete yeah. exaggeration that you can see on his face. I think but they, then, they do a better job, sorry, th- with mm. him, if he's a stifler, stifler type. At showing his absurdity a little bit better. Yes, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, just well, he's a dork. He's re- yeah, he's a dork. They don't put him and in his shortcomings. Mm. Yeah, and and same with Michael Sarah, who I I think this is the first thing I'd seen him in, and then I would obviously go on to love Arrested Development and see the other mm. films that he's in. But the, this character too, another like a dork, but so believable mm. and. The way he talks to people feels real and naturalistic. I mean, they're too... They're amazing. And their chemistry is so good. Yeah, it's kind of out of control. Because I was reading about, like, uh, Greg Matola and Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen talking about, like, the making of this movie. And they cast, uh, they cast, you know, Jonah quickly. 
after like he campaigned for it. And then they go Michael Sarah because they were trying to find someone that will fit in to their friendship circle that mm-hmm. will like make it work and that will translate to the screen. And they thought for a while that he wasn't doing anything because they couldn't read on like the on-set monitors like what he was doing, mm. like the comedy that he was like bringing to it. And then it wasn't until they like they watched dailies on like a bigger screen. They go, oh my God, this guy's doing so much <laughs> with just like just little movements and little kind of like under the breath like comedy and stuff. Yeah. And it's just, uh, watching this again, <laughs> I just like fell in love with Michael Sarah, just like how magnificently subtle he is mm. in like imbuing someone like riddled with anxiety in a very honest way oh, that's man. like persevering through like everyday conversation <laughs> while still not being actually a low status character mm-hmm. yeah it's a game changer of a of a performance like it ushered in that whole i guess awkward leading mm. man comedy type that was yeah. a thing for a little while there but um I still think he's the best at it out yeah, of all of them because it's yeah. it's it's really like high level comedy the shit that he's doing mm-hmm. it's so fucking funny and well thought out yeah you have to perfectly have a, timed you have to have a pretty high IQ to understand Michael Sarah's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you the line that I that made me laugh so much from him this time was he um, when he's hooking up with the his uh, lady friend at the end of the movie mm-hmm. um, he they're both drunk and he says you're the prettiest prettiest girl this side of the Mississippi I know <laughs> so as like just him like having to need something flirtatious to say to come up with that is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> this side of the Mississippi, yeah, that cracked me up too. So, this so time. in terms of in terms of uh, the leads, you've had two, I would say, mm-hmm. com- like huge successes with yep. Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, and then we come to Fogel. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Mr. must bless. Tell me a bit about what you think of him, because you seem like you you've got some negative thoughts towards Chris. I don't have negative thoughts to Chris, and I think that he does a great job. I think that he has. Runner, he's he's hit uh, sort of that stare that that um cast, typecast, mm, sure. So he's only been given these roles that feed into this same character. Um, yeah, he does that in that superhero movie that he was in afterwards, Kick, Kick Ass, Kick Ass, and a couple of other things that he's done. I've I've just seen him and I've seen him host some stuff like on television, and he he did he seems sad. And he is older, and I I feel for him. So it's not negative per se. It's more I give him sympathies because I can imagine it'd be quite a frustrating thing for an actor to to do this one role and it be so sort of defining for yourself. And I'm not sure. It's sort of one of those things that you can't really anticipate as an actor when you get cast in things like that. Like, you you don't know that you're going to be McLovin okay forever and people are going to be like i'll see you in something you go oh that's the guy mclovin you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not even the character's name but he's been known as mclovin for you like know what, over though, a i um i really like him i mm. think he basically was a high schooler at the time he, he was, was 17 years old yeah so mm. he was his mother had to be present during his sex scene that's right yeah, so right. he was cast off for open casting they thought he was funny uh he'd never done anything before yeah right it's a great performance it it's so funny and then afterwards, he is in some good stuff. He's in Role Models a year or so later, which is he's so good in it, he and it's a great, a great David mm. Wayne film. And he's great in the Neighbors movies. He's really good in Neighbors. He does voice acting in How to Train Your Dragon and stuff. And I think 
he um was but, used very well recently like two great like casting to mm. and against type in a uh, promising young woman yeah which oh, is like yes, i forgot he was in that he was he's great in that. He's fantastic in it, but I think that's like the strength of that movie. Like where the thesis of that movie really lands mm. is that it casts like people like him. It casts people like uh, Seth from the OC. Yes. These guys the that have embodied the nice guy, and then utilizing and like weaponizing that, like by twisting it in the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that like I think that he's a really fantastic actor, but his performance in Superbad is. Honestly, one of the all-time great like comedy breakout roles. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. He yeah. gets every great line in this movie, and also like the interplay with him between between him and Jonah Hill. Like, how much Jonah Hill like seethes his character. <laughs> yeah. How like much he's frustrated by just hearing him talk, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just like the obliviousness of this character. One of the highlights of my fucking life, not even just of this movie, <laughs> is when they're going to meet him to buy the beer after, and he turns around that corner in like that Richard Link later slow-mo where you like <laughs> yeah. slow down and absorb the moment and he's wearing a, like a corduroy vest yeah. and like the ugliest shirt ever <laughs> and they just like immediately rip into him but he's like a oblivious face thinking that he's looking cool <laughs> is so funny <laughs> yeah i fucking i love him man i think he's great i think i think he's just so fucking funny yeah it's I, a you know he also spends Three quarters of the movie with Seth Rogen and Bill Hader. Yeah. Mm. And I'd say fucking he keeps up with them. He does, absolutely. Yeah. And Bill Hader, I think, is on he shines in those oh, scenes, dude. especially. Like it's a breakout for him mm-hmm. too. This was definitely the movie that I learned Bill Hader's name. Me you know too. I, mean? I was saying that to Alexi. It's like mm. I I think he'd been in a couple of early Apatow films, yeah. but I'd never really noticed him mm. until this one when I all of a sudden was like, how is this guy not one of the biggest comedy stars in the world? Yeah. He's fucking unstoppable <clears throat> yeah. in this movie. Just like a riff monster. Absolute yeah. riff yeah. monster. Per, per, he's one of those, my favourite type of comedy star who can play boring, bland mm. nobodies, mm-hmm. but in such a fucking funny way yeah where you're like i don't even know what you're doing here it's a it's another type of comedy where you're it's just you're being the most boring person in the world Mm. and somehow it's just hilarious i don't know how you're doing it and there's nothing better do yourself a favor and uh watch any bill Hader interview and you can see a man who hates being interviewed and it is wonderful to watch some of the worst he's one of the worst interviewees around He Um, gets too anxious. I've heard him talk about it. He gets anxiety um, Mm. in interviews and he would have panic attacks at SNL before they taped every live show. Oh, my God. He can't handle it. Yeah. Good Lord. (laughs) He's so good. I mean, yeah, if we're just going to roll through, like Seth Rogen is also in his early 20s at Mm -hmm. this point. Yeah. Um, He's the co-writer of the movie with Evan Goldberg. Yeah. And, and they've been writing this movie since they were like 13 years old. Yes. And I mean, obviously, <coughs> he'd written it for himself to mm-hmm. be the Jonah Hill character. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, he I got too old, even though he's not much older than Jonah Hill, but yeah. he, he looks, looks older, it. yeah. I love Seth Rogen. Anyway, I've got a real soft yeah. spot for him. Mm. Yeah, you I got love, a Seth spot. I do. I love what he's about. I love his mm-hmm. vibe. And mm-hmm. I love... Uh, the things that he produces and, and okay, stuff like you're that. talking about weed. It's very obvious you're talking about weed. <laughs> um, but you like the weed stuff. You like his I think brand of weed. This is this is a part in his career where he still had something to prove. You know, mm-hmm. so he was really thirsty, and you could feel it in mm. the comedy that he's written in this script. 
and as well as his performance, he's got he's really on it. Like he, oh yeah, yeah. he's like he's gunning for laughs. There's yeah. the all the scenes with him and Hader kind of matching each other with riffs. It's like it's exciting to watch because you can see it's two dudes just trying to make the other one crack up. Yeah, mm. yeah. I also love Seth. I was talking about him recently. Uh, he's not much older than us, or he's around our age, but like. I, it just dawned on me recently that he is our generation's comedy star. Mm. All the other heroes that we love, like Ferrell and Mike Myers and stuff, mm-hmm. they're all older than us, but he's roughly our age. Mm-hmm. And so we've watched him grow from being a 20-something through to a 30-something. Yeah. I, 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 in lockdown, I rewatched kind of all these films that he's made yeah. or d- made with Judd Apatow. Mm. And, you know, by the time you get to Neighbours 2 where he's got kids and he's owning a home and he's not partying so much anymore and he's kind of like me, yeah. With it, except I don't have a kid, yeah. I was like getting emotional watching this movie going, shit, he's fucking grown up in front of yeah. my very eyes. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's kind of like a sleeper thing to like just like be awakened and go like, holy shit, Seth Rogen is an important actor, yeah. an important player. The guy almost started fucking World War Three with the movie, <laughs> with yeah, the interview, sure. which weirdly is like probably the most significant movie made in our lifetime, which is a forgotten Seth Rogen comedy. <laughs> yeah. And then... Like, like, as well, you know, it's not the first time he's popped up in our miniseries. We've already talked about him in Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. And he plays, like, a, he plays the bully, doesn't he? A bully, yeah. Yeah, he plays a bully. He plays a very similar role as what he played in Freaks and Geeks, really. Yeah, mm, it was around that time, I think. Yeah. But he's like kind of like an icon of the, of this type of cinema, like this type of comedy. He is the icon. I think it's a very clever screenplay as well. Like it hits a lot of like teen beats, if you will, mm, that mm. are like important. Like it's got those ideas of rites of passage, which is that benchmark like era breaking thing when you're like, oh, oh, I'm first going to parties. Parties are important to me. My social life is important to me. And one thing that we've like barely ever talked about in this miniseries, I think this movie does really well is having showing a full day at school where they go through all these different classes like mm. home economics where they're <laughs> making the tiramisu and like you I see like other need people to know how to make tiramisu <laughs> no offense <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then like when they've got woodworking class he's got like gym class playing soccer it just like actually felt like the flow of a full day of school where you intersect yeah. with your friends at different points in time you're not always with them mm. yeah very true and the just the excitement of like oh after lunch we're gonna meet up with Fogel and he's gonna show us the fake id it's yeah. like yeah, you have to wait till after lunch. Yeah. There's a whole half a day mm. where you won't see your friend mm-hmm. and then maybe you'll get to, you know, shit. Did you guys ever have a fake ID, by the way? I know we never had fake IDs, but we knew all the drive through bottle shops that we could mm. take down our P plates and drive through and they would give us the alcohol. So oh, we kind that's of knew so that um, Corinne Glades bottle shop and the Corinne Tavern especially was the place to hit first. In yes. terms of uh, of where to go, and then Whitford City Tavern drive through was always a big one for underage uh, ones. So those two we would hit, and it was always so exciting. I, I some of the best nights out were nights that I w- was under eighteen. Like it was, mm. it was. Oh yeah, when Absolutely. drinking was fun. Drinking is yes. not R- not a necessity. Anymore. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Drinking's not fun anymore. We ruined it's it. It's not cool. And Absolutely. you know what? It was like, at least for us in Newcastle, you would um, 
you would always end up drinking something that tasted like shit. Yeah, always. like it was always, always. some that shit. Southern uh, comfort. Yeah, stuff oh like God. that. Woodstock and Coke. That was my one. Was yeah. Woodstock? Yeah. I remember I spent a night where I drank eight of those. Yeah, and like now I think about it, my teeth rot out of my head because it's just little colas and bourbon yeah. it remixed. It was awful. But so that wasn't sweet. what it was about. It wasn't about the flavor. It was just about I can't. Mm. I need to get drunk with these fucking people. I barely yeah. know mm. or whatever. I um I never had a fake ID, but I have only ever been carded once in my life buying alcohol. And it was uh, last year when I was wearing a mask. And really? the guy was like, can I see your ID? And I got so annoyed. I ripped my mask off like, dude, I'm fucking nearly 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I got so annoyed by it. It's like, I was like, you know, 16 buying alcohol, not getting questioned. And now I'm like, I look like shit. I've had a bad year, dude. <laughs> but I remember we would have like, there was one party that I remember. I was like, oh, that was my super bad party. And this movie like captures it so well of that era, being a teenager at that time. Man, just fucking walking everywhere. Oh, yeah. Like just missions, having, you know, missions. You're Going on, on everything's missions. a mission. Everything yeah. you have to go do something. You have to walk somewhere. Yeah. Maybe you can get a bus between these two places. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. But just like the idea of like late at night being a teenager. You, what are you going to do? Hail a cab down? Fill yeah. a business card or something? Well, you can't do that. I no. remember, yeah, we went to a party. Some girl's parents went away. Mm-hmm. We went to a party at her house. I had a crush on her. Yeah. Everyone was running out of booze. I had a... It wasn't a fake ID. It was just mm. a guy in the year above's license that he yep. dropped. Mm-hmm. And we looked kind of similar. Yeah. And I went to the effort of like getting my hair cut shorter so I would look wow. more like him on the license. Mm-hmm. And me and the girl walked down to the bottle And then I went in and I like bought... I bought alcohol for the first time with wow. a fake ID. Oof. And I was so... Nervous that I made this choice in my head that I was like, I'm gonna buy something that no one underage would buy. <laughs> Sambuca. I bought a bottle of Stone's ginger wine. No, I think I've got one. I've got one there because my dad gave it you to do. me. It's yeah. You do. It's put it with a little bit of soda water. Yum. It is really good now, wow. but when you're like 17 and you come back from the bottle with oh a God. bottle of Stone's ginger wine, everyone's like, what the fuck is that? What is that? Why didn't you just buy beer? Drink. And you're yeah. like, because in my head, I was like, they'll never suspect it because they're not going <laughs> to They'll be like, think I'm 40 years yeah, old. Yeah, the guy will be like, oh, you must be in his 30s yeah. or something. And I think I even said something like, oh, yeah, I love this stuff. Oh, like, my oh. God. Oh, <laughs> this takes me back to my youth. <laughs> oh, I get stones. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love this. so beautiful. I love the taste of Stone's ginger wine. Yeah, I remember I got, because uh, I had an older brother, and mm-hmm. one time I got my brother to buy... The, the John to your gym. Yeah, I got m- my brother to buy a bunch <laughs> of alcohol for a, yeah. after the aftercast party, the after party for the, uh, uh, what was it? Calamity Jane St. Mark's oh. uh, school production. Oh, wow. So, oh, that's so and funny. that was a big party. That was a big mm. fucking party. And I, was, I remember walking in there with all those that booze and I was a fucking hero. Wow. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm still dining out on it. Yeah. <laughs> my it was I so those... good. I remember I bought the... some cigars as well. <laughs> you bought oh cigars? Yeah. That's so funny. I remember my first cigar, my friend bought it for me for my, my 16th birthday. He was like, dude, this is going to be awesome for you. You're going to love it. And I was too afraid to go outside to smoke it. So I smoked it in my garage for the doors down. Oh. And so like my house for like five days, just stank of cigars. Oh, <laughs> gross. 
I just remember a story like when my friends and I were like, you know, walking between parties coming home. We're walking around like the back streets of like Glebe where you used to mm. live. And it was me and my friend David and my friend Dylan, the same people I saw super bad with. Yeah. And we were walking with like some like girlfriends of ours as well. And uh, we just saw a possum get hit by a car oh. and the car just drove off. And my friend David just like sprung into action. He like runs to the possum, picks it up. And he's like, okay, we need to get some help. We need to get help for the possum. And he's just like knocking at like 3 a.m. on people's doors. Like oh. drunk. And like, um, excuse me, we need help. Can you call Whispers? Can you call RSPCA? <laughs> there is a dead possum. There's a possum dying in my arms. And then like, I'm just like, oh, this is actually embarrassing. This is embarrassing. <laughs> and then the guy just comes out and goes, I actually don't fucking care. Just let it die. <laughs> and I just have to keep walking after he'd like carried this dead Possum. That That's is funny. so fucking funny. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just trying to remember. Uh, I remember there was a party. That mm-hmm. one of my friends, her parents were going away. We went to hit. It was in Hillary's. It was she. Mm. Her, her parents were relatively wealthy. Big house. Uh, invited a lot of people. Had a pool. There was a wow. big party. She had had. She got all this alcohol. We were there. It was awesome. I don't or like it was just a great <laughs> teenage party. Yeah, yeah. And then I think a fight brought brought it. It was getting late, and a fight was, happened in the front yard. And so me and this dude that I'd met, we became great friends. We mm-hmm. had some whiskey that we didn't really like, but we were drinking it anyway. And oh my gosh! I think it was like Johnny Walker or something awful like that. Mm. <laughs> and we walked, or like ourselves, we lived in the same neighborhood, so we just walked home. And that was just like such a great. I think it, we walked until the, like the sun sort of started coming up, and we were sitting out. Oh park. gosh! And that's when I first had my first cigarette, as well. <gasps> we were sitting in the park, and I was like, <coughs> "Fuck yeah!" We just felt so <laughs> cool. Like you, we had no responsibility. It was just a great party. There was mayhem. There was chaos. There was lots of music and parties mm. and people titting off each other and making out. And you oh know, my god! People, god, I do miss that shit a little pool. bit. Like. You know, I reckon once every year you should be able to go and have a big yeah. fucking blowout somewhere. Oh God, to have fun once a year, that's yeah. all I need. That's all I want. I don't want it every weekend anymore, mm-hmm. but once yeah. a year I want a huge blowout. I would I would agree. I, it, it's been a while since I've been to a truly fucking monumentous house party, and I would love to go. I would mm. also... It's been a while since I've gone on a true mish. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh, yeah, dude. I fucking yeah. miss the mish. So yeah, I made the everything mish. too easy. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, but oh. you couldn't even afford... I remember, like, back when I was 18 and I was going out in Newcastle, at the end of the night, I would only have $20 left and mm-hmm. I'd just get into a cab and be like, take me as far as this gets me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember and it would, and it would take me, like, an hour walk from home. Wow. I'd just stop somewhere and be like, that's 20 bucks. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, I've got to um, walk now. I <laughs> reckon I've walked across the Anzac Bridge over 100 times in my life because of that shit. Mm. <laughs> we always party on the other side. I'm like, okay, I guess you have to walk all the way across this giant bridge oh, in the, at the late at night where any car could just swipe us oh. and yeah. possum and, and kill us on the street. And in Perth, it was it was impossible to find a taxi at mm. any point in the evening, like so. It was just like you just walked, you just went on yeah. missions. You wanted to go get some fucking munchies, you had to go on a mission, my brothers. Well, dude, I was at a party with you like a month ago, and you were fucking 
out of your mind. I was tripping. <laughs> I was. You were tripping I was balls. On mushroom, mushrooms and acid. And, and I was uh, having a big night too, but at one point you looked at me and you went, "Hey, is it really obvious that I'm tripping right now?" <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was. I, was I felt like I was 18. I, I was, was like, "This is crazy." Extraordinarily hard. Um, can but I, before we move into our categories and our awards, there was one thing I really want to talk about with this movie that was something I've never been able to quite place before because I think that Superbad, you know, it is rather a naturalistic movie mm. but there's something that brings it into a heightened reality and like there is a vintage look to this film it does have like a 70s look there is like kind of like a burnt gold kind of mm. coloring to the film yeah and of course it begins with like a great like funk and yeah. like dance sequence where you've got like the silhouettes yeah yeah and, and you got the old 19th series columbia logo like it sets yeah. this tone that this is like a vintage feeling movie but then something that I would say that we've been talking about a lot with these teen films is like this idea of like a film soundtrack being a bit of a mixtape for the characters. Mm -hmm. And like Donnie Darko is really good at capturing uh, and so is American Pie, like capturing like what the music mm. that the characters of the film would be listening to. Same with Book Cheat, I think, which is the yeah. even more updated version of Superbad. I think a, so. has a really great soundtrack uh, that yeah. goes that. And I think that this one is something different. Like, it's almost like the soundtrack is put together by the film itself. Like, you know, there's interesting moments where we've got, like, fucking, like, literally Sergio Mendes Portuguese samba playing, like, mm. through, like, the penis-drawing montage mm. and stuff. But then, like, the actual score and soundtrack is, like, 70s funk. Mm. And it is kind of, like, bringing it into, like, a heightened, like, broader genre movie like vintage feeling that adds like i think like the idea that ben was been saying like the mission stakes like yeah. these these are people on a mission because it's got like it sounds like shaft it sounds like Superfly, yeah, yeah. like well, it sounds like curtis mayfield I but think, yeah i think my sort of takeaway i think that's a really good point that you raise i think my my thought process behind that would be uh, it adds to the ridiculousness of these characters. Yes, it's sort of absolutely. Yeah, this is what they think they are. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It adds to that sort it's of in their parody heads. of these characters, which makes a lot of the comedy, which could you know does it is fucking edgy still. You know, it is mm. it is they are edgelords, but it puts it in, it frames it so it is making fun of these characters a little bit more, absolutely. which makes it a little bit more palatable to the audience. I think that's everything about this movie is like it, it that everything that these characters say can be like kind of gross or like silly, but it's always like about in aid of like showing who these people really are behind their words and behind yeah. their actions. It's like these are dorks, you yeah. know, these are dorky, weird guys that are awkward all the time and they're like losers in their school, but then they like have this you know, culture about them. Like they talk about like Orson Welles and like familiar with <laughs> yeah. Orson Welles' filmography enough to like make jokes about it. Like Johnny Hill's wearing a freaking Richard Pryor shirt. <laughs> I think it captures like this idea of like uh, for people of like our generation or my generation, I'm actually quite a little bit younger than you guys. So, um, you know, maybe different generation. I don't know. Yeah, you're uh, a Zoomer, right? I'm a Zoomer, dude. I'm yeah. 12. Yeah. I'm yeah. You're a Zoomer, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like that I, that millennial thing where we were like the first generation to have access to like the culture of history past so you can like develop your own taste 
that to be anachronistic and stuff. Mm. I think it captures it so well, like through the vintage look and through the vintage soundtrack. And let me tell you a little bit about the personnel on this score because it is mind-blowing. I didn't know these were the people who were involved. So music producer is Lyle Workman, who like is like the co- credited as the composer of this movie. But immediately, because he's like, this is the tone. This is what we're going for. He brings Bootsy Collins, like one wow. of the oh, actual yeah, like wow. icons of funk music and soul music on. That's so cool. And then Bootsy Collins, who like, you know, everyone knows Bootsy Collins. Like he has uh, like... Uh, what would we like? He's invents dances and stuff. He's like very like colorfully dressed, mm-hmm. like kind of like a parody of like even what pimp like looks would yeah. be like mm-hmm. beyond that. Like hugely expressive character and does almost like funk meets novelty music, but still on the highest end of like intellectual funk and stuff. And then he brings on like his old team, um, which is Phelps Collins, Clyde Stubblefield and J-Bo Starks, who were along with him original members of the JBs, which is James Brown's backing band. It's like the iconic like backing band of all time. And then he also brings Bernie Worrell, who is the organist and synth guy in this, Mm. who was like an original member of the punk parliament funkadelic with him. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, man, to get like... To, it's so interesting to just be like, oh, we can do a sound alike of like what these seventies movies soundtracks were and like what funk music sounds like. They just go, no, we're actually getting the real deal, yeah. the yeah. originators of this sound, and it works. It sounds like someone. The whole movie sounds like someone's jamming the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking rules. It's, it's so cool. Just sort of, uh, sort of going on a sidetrack a little bit. I've just been thinking mm. about it. All the, all the adult characters are. Stupid and fat and just exactly yeah. the same. So yes. it's kind of like these guys are putting pressure on themselves that they've got to grow up when in fact most of us are still in a state of arrested development, if yes. you will. Um, That's so on point. Mm. I think let's use this as an opportunity to talk about them because there's an award that we give out. We give out the Oscars on this podcast. They are awards for excellence in film and we've decided to call them the Oscars. Yeah, no relation to the other uh, it's Oscars. In, it's in relation to Oscar Pistorius, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. named after Pistorius. We yeah. think he's one of the funniest dudes out there. <laughs> <laughs> and like he achieved excellence, so, you know, we have to honour him by saying this. And he but we give out <laughs> We're giving out an award each episode for best character actor performance and role mm-hmm. and this movie has some absolute big league mm. character actors in it mm. and it's, i can't even narrow it down to like one at all because minimum there are two in here that i would say are like definitive when i think about character actor the people that i imagine mm-hmm. and they all <laughs> come together in one great scene where the boys end up at like an adult crazy wild party with guns this is one and of my dangerous scenes people. of the film yeah, yeah, man, me too. It's got it's got a bunch of great set pieces mm-hmm. in it. Uh, it has a fight. Yep. It has the period blood dance. Mm-hmm. It also has the scene where Michael Cera is forced to sing. Yeah. In mm-hmm. front of a bunch of dudes <laughs> doing so coke, good. which is <laughs> so, so funny. I think it's the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> we see like these eyes, <laughs> getting more and more into yeah. it, yeah. and everyone's everyone. vibing with you. Everyone vibing it. I think, I, um, so, I think a lot of I, movies try to get that like mm-hmm. sing sing along. Yes. Yes. but this one really nails it. 
Absolutely. <laughs> and so it good. also just totally nails like the vibe of a party where like, oh, I'm not equipped to be at this party. Yeah, yeah. right away the people are too aggressive. And I think by casting Kevin Corrigan mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. dude whose house party it is, Kevin Corrigan is like a, a particularly intense character actor. Mm-hmm. He's who, known for like being in Scorsese movies. Yeah, he plays Leo's cousin in The Departed. <laughs> he plays Henry's brother in Goodfellas. Yeah, mm. he's so he's, good. He can do comedy too. He's mm-hmm. done quite a bit of comedy and a bit of sitcom work in his time. But he's, I think he's particularly to me when I think of him, I think of an intense character actor in the like Steve Buscemi sort oh. of mold. Mm. Yes, um, that's and why he's iconic to me as a character actor. And like, there's a darkness about him. Yeah, there's a moodiness about him. And it's like, like you said, it's that intensity where he brings like genuine danger to this party. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right uh, away. He's wearing a soccer yeah. jersey or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> Some scary him, dude wearing a soccer jersey. <laughs> and him playing off Joe Latruglio. Oh, who my I God. also enjoyed a behold. Joe, yeah. oh, I, I, fuck it. Joe is such a that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, big time. He's big such a yeah. but he is always great. Like I love him in Wet Hot American Summer, and yeah, I he's I. I mean, I think you know Brooklyn Nine Nine Nine. Yeah, he's I think boiling is that. Worth, and worth watching just for him. Yeah. Big time. He's a he's a comedy monster. He can mm. turn anything into gold. Really, he's so good, and he's great in this. It's a tiny part. Oh, but he like he is one of the highlights of the whole film. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, like, I, it doesn't feel like any of it was on the page because it's just like a pretty boring character. Mm. Mm. They run. He runs into them, and then they bribe him into taking them to a party. But he has this wonderful ability of putting neediness into all of his comedy oh, creations, wow. and he turns this guy mm-hmm. who on paper is nothing into someone who just wants to be their friend yeah, yeah. and he like, he's a fucking like comedic fredo corleone in this movie <laughs> yeah. like he fully is full fredo you know who has a very similar energy um or can have a similar energy mm. is will forte mm. oh yeah totally absolutely he's very good at Joe. that too yeah they just being a bit have... of a bit of a needy dude but also just finding what is funny in it yeah. yeah fucking going not like just taking it up way <laughs> it's past the, best, the level that you would expect. it's what you want in a comedy character actor someone who comes in and just elevates the scene yeah. elevates mm. the script and just adds their own insanity and into so it. so good at playing like a guy who's despised by every character in the movie oh and yeah, trying yeah. to play yeah. it off yeah. and he's yeah. naive yeah. to it and stuff like he's trying to be cool to everyone and everyone thinks he's the biggest <laughs> fucking freak it's so funny and it's just the way that he even holds his body like he's like ass out belly out somehow <laughs> and like wearing the ugliest clothes like just like a loser from the 70s but there's another guy that would put like absolutely in the same category of like classic that guys of modern <laughs> cinema alongside Kevin Corrigan. I would like to me the mo- three modern character actors are Kevin Corrigan, Natasha Leone, mm, and mm-hmm. David Crumholtz, who's yeah. in this movie ever so briefly in that same sequence. He's the guy from Numbers. He's best known as the Numbers guy from those TV show he's Numbers. He's also in the Santa Claus. He's mm-hmm. in Ten Things I Hate About You. Yes, he he's is... in uh, the Firefly movie oh. Serenity. Yes, Freaks I love and Geeks, him. Undeclared. Mm-hmm. He's in a million things. He's just like a classic that guy mm-hmm. who's almost like he he always can be like he's like a toned down Kevin Corrigan. He still has like that same kind of danger intensity. 
and he's played in like the scene with like the instigator of like the singing for Michael Sarah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like to have all of these guys populating this one also, scene. Also, Martin yeah. Starr's in that scene. He's in Martin Starr. We didn't even talk about Martin, <laughs> Martin Starr. Starr is in that scene too. Like they're all fucking in they it. They should man. call him Martin Supporting because he is not a star, but he brings a lot of energy to a supporting role. He is a he's a wonderful <laughs> that guy, I would say. And I read about this party sequence because it was like just the, the whole thing that stood out to me in this movie was like, this is a real sequence. Like, this is from something. And uh, apparently, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, this is based on a real party they went to <laughs> when, um, like, because they were young stand-ups, like, when they're mm. in high school. And they're, they're one of, like, an older comedian was moving away to move somewhere else. So they went to a party at his house and Seth's parents dropped him off at this party <laughs> for, like, all these, like, older, like, gross, dangerous comedians and stuff. <laughs> and it's all people, like, mental illnesses and oh everything, like, at this party, like, going crazy. Like, fuck, that is real. Like, yeah. that is real. Oh, I've been so... to one of these parties and been yeah. and been Michael Sarah where you've been yeah. like, I don't belong here. Absolutely. Oh, dude, absolutely. And it's then so I've scary. been like also a guy that fits in at that party eventually. Yeah, years later you become the guy. <laughs> yeah. I remember <laughs> one of my first there. like <laughs> my first memories in comedy was I I had to help a fellow comedian move out of their like squatting with an anarchist like group, mm, and um, he uh, is Iman Hachiti, like great comedian. Yeah. Love him. And he's known as like the shortest comedian in the world. Yeah. And so I had to go in and like help move all his furniture and like bags out of his house when I was like 21 years old. Like I had oh to help God. him move out <laughs> with a bunch of anarchists. All these like scary anarchists and stuff around in Newtown. I'm imagining. Fucking yeah. Hell. And it was just because I lived nearby, so I could help him. And then I had to go like to my mum's house right after, <laughs> go back home. We also like to give out another Oscar on this podcast uh, for an iconic moment within a film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that has stood the test of time, has yeah. become a cult, has a cultural legacy all of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a MILF moment, you know? Yeah, a um, MILF moment. I mean, and. Ha- uh, yeah. I mean, we we were talking a fair bit about Jonah Hill earlier and how, you know, this is like a bit of a monster performance from mm-hmm. him. I think a lot of his dialogue became common phrases yes. that people said after this shit. It seeped into the lexicon. Yeah. 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 The one that jumped out for me is when they're on the soccer pitch and he's bragging about how they're going to fuck girls tonight. And he says something like, she wants my dick in and around her mouth. That to me, mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard everybody say that ever yeah. since that movie comes out. Absolutely. <laughs> I think every Facebook hack for a decade was someone writing into some friend's account, I want dick in and in around. In my mouth. Yeah. So this award goes to the words put together in and around. <laughs> okay, I mean, you do have to give a special mention to McLovin itself, mm-hmm. which is Big still time. used. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people still reference McLovin. It's very iconic. I would say, I would, I challenge you and say it's more iconic. Whoa! I, I think you're probably right. I mean, we still call Christopher Mintz plus McLovin. Yeah, it's still just such a funny. That whole sequence is so funny. Yeah, <laughs> man, this it's is great. truly a glorious movie. Yeah, this man. is a glorious comedy. Oh man! But now we have been given the mammoth task, the Goliath task of. Now owning the rights of this movie, Ben, we have the rights to Superbad, mm-hmm. and we have been given the charge of reinventing it for a new generation, Jesus. rebooting it, remaking it, creating a legacy sequel. 
We have the brand super bad, and we have to utilize it. What do we do with it? I think it's already. I think Booksmart's already did it. In a Booksmart way. did do it. It very really much. is a very similar movie reinvented yeah. for a new generation. That is true. We will be talking a fair bit more about Booksmart next week mm-hmm. because spoiler it's, alert, we're doing it next week. It's our final movie in our Screen Ages mini series. I loved but, it. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great, and it's got mm. a kick-ass soundtrack. I fucking love it. So Absolutely. I don't know, and it really does capture super bad. It's got a hill. It's got a Jonah Hill in it. That's yep. true. It's got a Jonah Hill. Exactly. Um, okay, here's an idea for you guys. Super dad. Okay. And they me... are now dads. I wrote that down. Did you? I got the word super dad written down. <laughs> God, I would hate to see that movie so much. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're making it, dude. I, I, there's nothing I hate more than watching like a rehash, uh, like mm-hmm. someone trying to reboot an older thing and then just yeah. casting the old people in it and then yeah. maybe like and then there's the the younger gen that will pop up and they're in a legacy like sequel in the trailers but they yeah. fucking feature maybe like in 10 seconds of the film <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've got Terminator back it's the worst <laughs> no one wants okay. to see these cunts that they loved old <laughs> it reminds us of our own mortality you know? do you think super dad where are they in the dad circle are they are they have newborns? Do they have toddlers? Do they have teenage boys now? Well, yeah. I mean, what it's it's twelve years since it came out. Mm-hmm. I say that. Uh, I, I would say Michael Sarah's character. He has two kids. One's a bit older, and he's yep. got a newborn. Jonah Hill has been donating sperm for many wow. years, and yeah. he finds out that he has sired multiple children okay. and they go on a road trip to meet all the children. That's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> they go on a road trip. That's kind of like Delivery Man, I think, from what I understand about Oh, yeah. I've never, seen, I've never seen Delivery Man, I've but seen I, trailer. I think that's what it's about. My idea, okay, this is... You, you caught me with this. Okay. I think, you know, Evan, Michael Sarah, he's older, three kids. Okay. A girl, older, slightly, two twin boys. He's moved in with oh, his no. uh, his in, his parents live across the road. I know what's going and on. And then here. you've got a whole situation not unlike uh, where everybody loves Evan. Oh my god! I think that he could do a Ray Romano. Oh god! I really think that's it. Super Dad is him as Ray. I would okay. Lo- I would love to see like a um, like a, I mean, and again, Booksmart kind of did this, but mm-hmm. uh, a real like a kind of queer. Super bad, yeah. I would like yeah. to sort of del- delving into that side of culture and and that scene. I think that could be something a little bit new and fresh. But I, I think, think that's um, cool to go from bromance to romance, where they like fall yeah. into a relationship body. I think yeah, you're right. Booksmart does do that a little bit. Um, also, Blockers has mm. that going on mm. for it as well. It's it's a kind of a teen gross out. Comedy with queer elements and it's gender flipped uh, from Superbad or American Pie. Yeah, but I think it could be fun to see a little more. I, I mean, mean like I, a, it's been a long time since I've seen a fucking filthy teen comedy. Yes. yes. Like a, maybe since this. Yeah. I think Booksmart's great, but it's not dirty. Oh, man. I would like to see a fucking real filth fest out yeah. there. You just remind me of a movie that I fucking blocked from my mind. Mm. In the Superbad, like the wake of Superbad. Or like the pretenders coming out. Yeah. Do you remember the found footage 
party movie. Project X. Project X. Never saw it. <laughs> no, oh my god! It, it is it. real. It's a super bad clone ripoff with found footage. Miles Teller. Yeah. Miles Teller's in it. There's a kid in it who's like this Greek guy that plays the worst version of Jonah Hill in this. Mm. Like, uh, and yeah. he's in Californication. He plays Hank Moody's long lost son or something. Oh this god. Oh my god. I don't really like Miles Teller. He, well, lucky for you, he fell off the fucking face of the earth, mate. What? Isn't he in... He's in he doesn't um, exist. No, he's in the new he's in Maverick. Maverick. He's Who in cares? Maverick. He's playing Goose's freaking unhatched egg. Who cares? I reckon I he's don't a fucking know. He seems like a punish to be around. He would suck, dude. Yeah. He's lightweight John Cusack, if you ask me. <laughs> and actually, that is a compliment because John Cusack is a heavyweight. So he is. He yeah, is. but I reckon do love John Cusack. I reckon Johnny Q is a bit of a nightmare mm. to be around as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he gives me that vibe. Yeah, he's no Joan. Yeah. Joan looks no, like a, a treasure. A treasure. A walk in the park. Hang exactly. With Joan. Oh my god. Dude, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's always a pleasure. I really, I, there's nothing I like more than talking movies. You know, we love it. I, we love secretly, it. Secretly, I'm a cinephile as well. Oh my wow, God. wow, guys, we got the scoop. We got him. Pack it up. We caught all him. Right. He admitted it. It's all over. That's <laughs> the only reason we've been doing this pod to get you to admit that shit. <laughs> to catch a cinephile. <laughs> 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 it's a sting operation. We just try and get guys to start talking about movies. No, oh, no, the sirens are back. The police are coming. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't come here to talk about movies and my love of film. No, no. They're no, surrounding no, you know. right now. Sorry, Sorry dude. No, you I, are registered. I it's official. To, I came here to fuck kids. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's all right. Let him go. Let him go. Well, you actually have quite a creepy web series at the moment, Ben. Um, That's true. You've got a great web series. The first episode just come out called Hug the Sun. Can you tell us a bit about that? It is a uh, after-school kids variety show of that kind mm-hmm. of genre. It's the 90s. You're after school. You, you flick it on and you see one of these shows. Um, it is uh, heavily got heavy undertones of a fictional Mm. Uh, sun worshipping cult <laughs> uh, so it's absurdist. it's so cool it's kind of if you like um obviously it's of the same a similar genre to tim and eric in that mm-hmm. it's kind of that old uh vibe but it's got a hints of wonder shows in it uh, yes. i've heard people talk about it say um what is it no i've lost the name i didn't know i didn't know what they're talking about but it was good oh um hug me i'm scared Yes. Yep, I haven't seen Ooh. that one, but uh, it's got undertones of that apparently and uh, sort of um, look around you and, and things yeah. like that. So it's of that kind of, um, that genre of absurdist, surreal, cursed comedy. Yeah, it feels like someone discovered like a lost tape in an op shop mm. with like all yeah. these like old like public access tapings of like a cursed children's show. Yeah. It's so good. Brilliant. It's the exact type of thing that is so up my alley comedically. I love mm-hmm. that shit. But also, if it was real, it would be right up my alley too. <laughs> I'm the type of person who scrolls lost media or on yeah. Reddit well, all the time and finds those gross videos. The, so I love it. It's heavily inspired by a real show called Sing Me a Rainbow that was a Perth-centric. It was filmed in Perth. It was in the 90s. Stylistically, we used that a lot. Um, Yeah, right. And it is heavily Catholic. 
So it's got yeah. serious oh. Catholic over, uh, undertones to it. It's called Sing Me a Rainbow. I'll send you a Vimeo of one of the episodes. Yeah, please, please do. That's so fun. It is amazing and it's real. So we kind of had this great reference points to, to then go, you know, uh, go as crazy as we wanted. Oh, man, it's so good. You guys are so funny. I've been a fan of you and Xavier Michelides mm-hmm. for so long. Um, and I just, it's always a joy to watch you guys on stage and now on screen. Mm-hmm. An mm-hmm. absolute treat. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Where uh, can people find it? It's, a, it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube on Grouse House, so, uh, which is a new channel um, set up by Haven't You Done Well Productions, which uh, are the Auntie Donna Boaz. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they they feature by... in the show as well. Well, it's fantastic. Everyone should check it out. Uh, ben, what's your Instagram and Twitter? If you want to find the links there. Uh, bon member is Instagram. Twitter is just something nice and easy. Follow that one. It's Ben Russells. So it's at Ooh, Ben wow. Russells. Uh, and Twitch, Bon member as well. That's right. I stream. I'm, okay. I'm, 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 stream, I'm a multi-platform cream. comedian. Okay. <laughs> yes, brother. Well, that's what we want to hear. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. You're one of our best friends. We love you so much. And it's always a joy to get to hang out with you talking about a couple of flickeroonies. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to have a big blowout. Oh, man. Oh, my God. June 15th. Fucking <laughs> Guys, everyone's if you're invited. listening, come to the blowout. Everyone's invited. We're all getting fucked up super bad stuff. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know where it will be. But get fucked up with us, okay? <laughs> uh, Cameron is on Twitter and Instagram at I am Cameron James. Yep. I'm on there at This Is Alexi, so have a chat with us there. Next week on the podcast, it is the final film of this festival. We are talking about a movie that was alluded to a lot on this episode, Booksmart, mm. which I would say is poised to perhaps become canonized in a few years' time into the Screen Ages canon. One of my favorite uh, cinematic comedies in a long time. Wowzer. We should have got you for that one too, brother. I'd say uh, modern, uh, like the most recent sort of comedies. I loved it. I thought it was really great. Me too. I can't wait to talk about it. And then we'll, we'll let you know what we're going to be doing as our next mini series very soon as well. So stick around with us on Total Reboot. If you want to hear more from us, sign up to our Patreon for just five bucks a month. You get access to bonus episodes. We've been going through our favorite movies in their cinematic releases in our high school years. Just with book smarts, mm-hmm. oh, you might have cut this, but uh, look out for the role. Like there's definitely a Joe mm. Latrugio yeah. role in there. Uh, with the guy, the pizza delivery guy. I don't know. If it, 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 it's it, Mike O'Brien. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. But he's yeah. a big one for me. Yeah, it's that kind of role there. Everybody stay safe and enjoy the cinema no matter where it is, whether it's up in the sky or down on the ground. <laughs> movies are grouse and so is the mouse. That's right. Disney's even <laughs> cherished in this house too. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, my God.